0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding, and I am joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thanks. So we're going to dive right in before we do that. Um, we just want to ask everybody, if you've been helped by the podcast or our ministry, you can go to the donate page, even though we have a donut page now. Uh, <laughs> th- thanks to that. Assuming you listen to but, all th- of these podcasts. That faithful listener who uh, put that awesome page together, we would rather encourage you to go to the donate page uh, if you want to give financially a gift to help the ministry. We would appreciate that and we're grateful for all of our financial partners that help allow us to do all the things we're doing, including this podcast. So thank you for those who help us, encourage us, and support us in that way. Jim, we want to dive right into topic as we are known to do. And that topic is we want to talk about the importance of a pastor to explain to his congregation what a pastor is, what a pastor does. Uh, why they need a pastor. And uh, this can be a bit challenging at times, right? To talk about something like, since you're the pastor and you're the one that's now talking about, in a sense, yourself and your role. So naturally we would assume pastors would be very leery to want to talk about something like this. But uh, we want to make a case that we actually feel it's one appropriate and even helpful for the church to know how they should look to their pastor, which is has a misunderstanding all across the board in all kinds of different places. So Jim, why don't you first just set up biblically for us why this might be an important thing for a pastor to do?
1: Well let me I'm going to start Brian with just with something practical because this came out of a question one of our one of the listeners oh, right. asked yep. and, and right. that is how do we manage expectations of people? And he says he uh, he says in his uh, note to us that he says, my perception, real or imagined, of others' expectations of me as a pastor is sometimes absolutely crippling. And mm-hmm. so he's dealing with, so what are their expectations and, and are there cultural expectations? And I imagine if men are listening to this in other parts of the world, they have their own cultural oh, expectations cultures, yep. of what a pastor is and what a pastor does, and, and and practically and publicly, privately, and all the ways in which that, what that looks like. But Brian, what he, what, what gets down to is uh, our need to communicate biblical truth uh, concerning the role of a pastor. And <clears throat> excuse me, if, if I were to uh, say what I think, <clears throat> there you go. I'm good now. Uh, maybe Sean could work his magic and edit that part out. We don't edit, Jim. Everybody knows I, I that. I know that's, we that's don't, how we came up with the donut. We do page not edit because ahead, you don't going. edit. All right, um, there is in the Bible the a doctrine of of the uh, of pastoring. There, so there is a Bible doctrine of pastoring. So it is our job and our duty as pastors. To preach to our people the whole counsel of God, mm-hmm. to withhold from them nothing that is profitable. So there is there there ought to be nothing in the Bible that's off limits to us. There are, I think we need to recognize, there are two camps in this. So there, there are men out there who love to preach about being a pastor, who love to take advantage of the people in regard to what they do, who fleece the flock, who... Uh, who put a burden on the people to uh, follow them in a way that is unbiblical. So we don't want to do any of that. Of course, we don't want our good to be spoken of as evil. Right. And we know there are a lot of charlatans out there. We know that there are money grubbers out there. We know there are people who fleece the flock. Uh, Ezekiel 34, there are yeah, right. woe to the shepherds who who take advantage, and we don't want to do that. I I I can't imagine anybody like that's listening to this. Although I think Benny Hinn did donate some donuts after the, the (laughs) so I mean, guys like that aren't listening to this podcast and I trust the guys who listen to this are hopefully guys like ourselves who just want to do nothing other than pour your life out for God's people and then, and then die and be forgotten as the saying goes. So, so that's us. And, And so what happened though, in my own life, and I imagine I'm not unique in this is that, I struggled at times with saying certain things that the Bible says about pastors because I didn't want to take advantage. I didn't want it to sound self-serving. I didn't want to promote myself uh, Mm. in that. And I had to realize at one point that I was not being fully faithful to these texts as I was withholding Mm. information in a sense out of fear of being misunderstood, and so I've said very often to pastors, it's easier for another pastor to come into your church and preach these things. Talk about those so things. So, like, yep. what does the Bible say about uh, why a pastor should be paid by a congregation? Hmm. And, and even some idea of what that looks like, how much they should be compensated. And. That's far easier for another guy to come in. So, for instance, there's a church plant I've been somewhat helping with and giving some counsel to the men who are leading that. And I've gone up and preached, and we've talked about this. And he said, "Well, maybe when this time comes, I'll come up and preach on this." Right. Yep. Uh, for them, because again, it's in the Bible. The Bible talks about it, but how do you get up there and say, hey, I'm going to talk about, for instance, why you should highly esteem me and why I'm worthy of double honor because I rule well uh, (laughs) in in God's house. But beyond that, Brian, there is a description in the Bible of what a pastor is and what a pastor does And that's really where we want to be able to inform ourselves and inform our people because there are cultural expectations or a diminishing of what a pastor is or of a pastor's time uh, sometimes um, because they don't put a high premium on what a pastor does sometimes because we haven't explained from the Bible really what we do. Because we're afraid or embarrassed to do so,
0: excuse me. Why don't we start there? Why don't we just, for the sake of argument and the progression of this conversation, let's let's talk about what a pastor is, how, how we actually would communicate that to the church, and then we can and talk about reasons why that would actually this actually would be a, a good thing. I, I this was years ago. This was when my kids were little, so we're talking you know fifteen years ago now. I was asked to go to a, a kindergarten class and at a school, a Christian school, and explain what a pastor was to a bunch of five- and six-year-olds. And I wow. thought, I've been asked to do a lot of things. This is a unique and kind of fun challenge to figure out nice. how I'm going to do that. And <clears throat> it's a long time ago, just remembering this, but you know, I was, it was just a good challenge to think about. How do I communicate to a bunch of little kids? Uh, probably a lot of them go to church. It was a Christian school. But what is, what is a pastor? What, what does he do? And I... <clears throat> I took a Bible with me, you know. I took, I took a, a cross with me. I remember that. I mm. took, um, you know, I I, I took something, um, you know, to as far as like a to represent like going to a hospital or something like that. I'm trying to remember everything that I did. But it was a, it was a wonderful challenge to try to think about how to communicate that to a bunch of kids. And it's this, it's in a similar way, I think it's the same thing we have to consider with our congregation. Just because a church maybe has existed a long time, or you've got a bunch of people who been in church a long time, that doesn't mean they have an accurate understanding, to your point, of what a pastor really is. So where do we start? Where, so how would you advise a pastor who is listening to this and says, yes, I want to be able to communicate this well to our church? I don't want to assume they know. I would argue most churches don't have a right understanding of the role of the pastor in general. Where would a pastor start in trying to explain this to a church?
1: I think it, it, it depends on how critical this issue is, because what you can do is, in the normal course of preaching, that you're going to come across. It. So if you're going to preach through the book of Acts, you're going to preach Acts chapter 20. Yeah, it's going to be there. If you're going to preach through First Peter, you're going to come to First Peter chapter 5. If you're going to preach the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, then it's going to be there. So there is, in that sense, an opportunity. Yeah, You're going to find certain things in the Gospels that are related to you know, uh, Jesus' exhortation to, to Peter to feed his flock and to, and to, and to shepherd his flock and, and tend his lambs, that kind of thing. And you can say to the people, this is... And he, here is Jesus, in essence, telling him to be a, a, a shepherd or a pastor. And this is what a pastor is. This is what a pastor does. Yeah. And so I think there are those opportunities. If, on the other hand, maybe you're you're going through, like I did years ago, I've done, and I've done this twice, and I've mentioned this before, when I first came to Louisville as a church planner, I said, okay, I'm going to preach through the doctrine of the church. And so I dealt with the identity of the church, the membership of the church, the leadership of the church, and the task of the church are the duties of the church, responsibilities, what does a church do? So what a church is and what it does, what its members are, and, and so when you're dealing with even the duties of members, you're going to talk at some point about what are the duties of members toward each other, what are the duties of 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 members in a, in a sense toward the church, but then also toward leadership, because that's addressed several times explicitly in the Word of God and then you deal with the leadership of the church so you talk about what it means to be qualified but then you also talk about which is a big part of that then then how do you function and so it might be that you say to yourself all right we need I, my congregation needs this i've never ever preached on what a church is you know so and sometimes when you say that hey you know you, you're using these words all the time but you've never really defined them for for the lord's
0: people well we we often make assumptions that churches understand these things when they don't. And I yeah. think that a new pastor going into a church doesn't need to be condescending about it. Like, I went to seminary, learned all this stuff, you don't know it, and I'm going to teach it in a condescending right. way. But I do think pastorally you have to go in, you know, what if they've had pastors who who haven't cared for them well, which is very, very common. Sure. So there's a skewed understanding of what the expectation is and what just the definition of what a, what a pastor is supposed to be. I mean, most congregations, especially longer established congregations, most of them understand what a pastor is, Based on the pastors they've had, and if they've had good faithful shepherds, that's one thing. But if they haven't, and th- then that changes the game. That usually is a, a church as a whole that has a culture and a misunderstanding of what, you know, the role of, of a pastor is. I remember in uh, the at some point in in my ministry, <clears throat> in those especially in the first five years, I spent I, I took a Wednesday night, and we met every week for Wednesday night for Bible study. And I took eighteen months and taught through slowly First Timothy, mm-hmm. and I would recommend to to anyone who's wanting to talk about this in a way that maybe doesn't want to be as blatant. Like we're going to do a four week sermon series on what a pastor is and why I'm awesome. You know, <laughs> uh, that's a bit in your face, right? So but I know yeah. it's not we approach it that way, no. but but just to make a point, uh, a, a more subtle but clear way is is to to take like something like First Timothy because you have one, you have Paul writing to Timothy saying, here's what a pastor is. Here's how to set these churches up in a way. Same with, with Titus. And I, I think First Timothy, when just walking through it real slowly and just putting the word out there that it, and how it explains the office of a pastor, the office of a deacon, uh, I found that to be very helpful. And to do it in such a way that you just kind of put the word out there. You, you don't have the application every week of, so we should do it and do it this way. But to Sow the seed of Mark Four. Just put the seed out there, let it find good soil. What I found is that that began the process to communicate to shape a true biblical understanding of what a pastor is, as well as a deacon, which I think is important to teach both, especially in Southern Baptist context. I'll say because, in so often in Southern Baptist context, deacons are pseudo elders. So there's a misunderstanding on what the roles are, and this is a way to slowly and but clearly clarify those kinds of things and in the midst of that and of course later in 1 Timothy you've got you know you've got explanations of of compensating pastors and all those the the honor that a pastor's do I mean it when you again when you teach through a book it sets you up to be able to let the text speak for itself and it maybe doesn't just scream i have this agenda to to do this but what it does is opens up the opportunity to be able to explain exactly what you're talking about and of course if you do it slowly you're able to to have some rabbit trails and and have conversations about what a pastor is and what a, what a pastor does from that.
1: And Brian, do you think that sometimes some of this may just need to be done more privately with people? So for instance, when somebody comes and says something like, uh, well, our pastors have always cut the grass in the past as part of their job or, uh, well, you know, when the painting needs to be done, you know was, was the pastor always did the painting or um my pastor always went and got me groceries uh in the past when you know get small town kind of a thing Andy Griffith you know you watch the old Andy Griffith show you know the the the, 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 the he's the sheriff and you think okay what was his job but then how did it function well I mean people asked him to you know pick up all kinds of things <clears throat> or, right drop people off for him to watch, you know, watch my kids while I go do this or whatever. And, and you can do that. And maybe sometimes that can be done. But sometimes, again, people have these expectations either of what our responsibilities are, sometimes, as you said, crossed with a, a deacon, or sometimes even our, that, that we somehow, now that we're in the ministry, have this, I don't want to use this phrase, supernatural ability or super ability to do things that uh, are beyond the pale of mortals, so that, for instance, that we ought to be able to fix everything. I don't mean I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. We yeah. ought to be able to fix um, every marriage in the church. And like I don't understand why they went in for counseling. He's a bad counselor because that marriage still broke apart. Or you ought to be able to convert everybody. Uh, I don't understand why how come my Billy I- isn't a Christian uh, and and you've been preaching and and it must be that you're a bad preacher now maybe you are a bad preacher mm. and, and maybe you aren't preaching Christ maybe you maybe you do have sin in your life that's hindering that or maybe you're just a mortal uh, who has an awesome savior and an incredibly powerful Bible but that that word, it gets sown on. You, you mentioned earlier, Mark Four. It gets sown on different kinds of soils, and, and so some of that soil is uh, is hard, and some of it's thorny, and it's not the fault of the sower yeah. that that seed doesn't penetrate. But so, some people have an expectation that if you were really a good preacher, I wouldn't still be struggling with my sin. Yeah. I wouldn't be having these emotional problems. It must be the ministry's fault. Yeah, I, I walked what you described about
0: all those expectations on the pastor to do all these. These crazy di- things. That I walked into that, like that the the Godfather of the church that I went to, uh, who you know grew the church big. He was there twenty years. Uh, all the older members. I mean, that was the heyday of the church, and this guy did everything. And he was kind of the typical, especially in the sixties and seventies, like this really st- strong, forceful, domineering leader, mm. like calling people out from the pulpit by yeah. name. Of kids are behaving, misbehaving kind of guy. This guy, he's he took care of the flower beds at the church that won awards, by the way. Ooh, he was the dude in the kitchen frying the fried chicken with the okay. apron on. Like this is that this guy was he was the guy that literally did everything like that, and people thought it was great. And I just heard story after story like that, and I just put that out there that that's happens a lot, especially that happened decades ago. But again, what does it do? It shapes the expectation of people and what they uh, what they expect of you. So, Jim, let's shift to why this is important. And we've talked about how to maybe approach this. But let's talk about a few reasons. as uh, Why is it important that a pastor maybe want to consider doing this? Wanting to clearly articulate, don't assume people understand, but to clearly articulate why their congregation needs to rightfully see their pastor and and in regard to uh, what they should expect of them.
1: Well, the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, when it describes the uh, following or being persuaded by your leaders, some of the translations say obey them, and it says, they watch over your souls as those that will give an account. Let them do so for with joy, for this would be unprofitable for you. So, there's two There's two reasons laid out there very clearly. Well, first of all, it explains some of what a pastor does. I mean, really, the right. overarching phrase of what a pastor does, he watches over souls as those that will give an account. He takes care of souls, and he does that through the ministry of the Word of God and prayer. He does that publicly and privately. That's his job. His job is not the flower beds. It's not fried chicken it's not babysitting. It's not taking out groceries. Now he may he may be able to have time to do all of those things. It's not to be your fishing buddy, your fishing companion to sit out on the porch and just talk about the you know the college sports team or high school sports. His job, his job is to watch over souls that will give an account. And then it says, first of all, that that you should follow them. You should. There's, it says that to the congregation, and it says this will be. If you allow them to watch over you with joy, that is, if you if you'll not constantly, as as a congregation, fight everything, buck against everything, complain not, about everything, not with grief. That's the other yeah, part of that verse. Yeah, not with grief. Yeah. Right, right. That that let them do that. They that not only will they have joy in what they do. But that it will be it would be profitable for you. So it's not unprofitable. You know. So it's not let it because that would be unprofitable. Let it be profitable for you. Yeah, that right. is, it is for the good of the congregation to allow that man to be able to do his job. So that whether that is giving him time in the study, recognizing his time in the study to study the scriptures matters. That his time when he's sitting there. <laughs> And you say what do you, that he's when he's reading his Bible and when he's praying and watching over his soul, or even when he is ensuring that he has uh, his family life together, that he's spending time with his wife, spending time with his kids. Listen, this is for your good. Uh, you don't you don't need a pastor who's a lousy dad, you know. So that if you resent that the pastor is going to his kids' ball game, or that you resent that. He's taking a date night out with his wife. Well, he could be, yes, he could be visiting somebody, but he's also making sure that he's not disqualified. He's making sure that his home life is exemplary mm. for you. Part of that mm. is for you so that you have an example to follow and go, yeah. that, okay, that's what a guy looks like when he's loving his wife. So that's part of our job too is to be examples to the flock. Right. Uh, and so some of that needs to be able to be explained. Listen, my taking this time <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to show an example, mm-hmm. and so we might need to explain that to somebody, whether we do it publicly or privately. Yeah. that this is part of my biblical duty is to be an example to you.
0: So on one end, we want to be able to clarify what a pastor does because we we don't want to be asked to do the things we're not supposed to be doing and be put right. in that awkward position. Um, on that flip side, and you've made this point to me before, that we also want to clarify what the role of pastor is so people know how they can call on us, mm. you know, because we, we've talked about before, we were talking about before we went, we started recording that the, you know, the amount of people who said, I just didn't want to bother, you know, this went on, but I just didn't want to bother you. you're like, that's what I'm here for. Like, right, exactly I exist right. for that reason to be right. available to you in that moment. No, I'm not going to pick your kids up from school, but when you get a bad <laughs> cancer diagnosis, That's what I'm for—to be there for you in that moment. So, on one end, you want to clarify so you're not being asked to go and, you know, and do a certain weird job at somebody's house. Though you can choose to do that if you want, but not to be expected to do that. On the flip side, you want people to know when they can call you and when they should reach out. And they'll you're having dinner with your family one evening, and they know you're it's after it's past time you're in the office. But a crisis happens, we. We want them to know we want them to call us in that exactly moment. right
1: yeah and yeah right and I think it, it, that there are there are people that will, can take advantage of that but most people won't and I think that and depending on your congregation I pastor a congregation where I need to encourage people sometimes and I, I think this has probably happened more as I've gotten older and, and as my health you know, wasn't as great you know people didn't want to bother me. And I and I've had to say, and you you you're quoting me in that, that I said, listen, I exist for you. I, I'm yeah. here for you. I, I want you. I don't want to have to hear later on that you were in the hospital or that something happened. Like, how, how did I not know? How did why did why did you not tell me? Or that things are really hard for you right now. Listen, you you need some of my time. I can make time for you. I, mm-hmm. I you know I, I will make time for you. And you do want to let them know that because that's that is my I I am here to watch over you, take care of you, to, as one man said, I, w- I want to help you to get to heaven in the best shape possible. So yeah. if I have one overarching description of what I'm trying to do, that's it. And, and that's done privately and publicly.
0: Here's my final word on this. One, but Just another reason to be, clarify this with a church is that <clears throat> I don't want people to expect as part of my job that they, come, they call me to come rake their leaves in their yard or to scrape their driveway. But you know what? There are times I wanted to do that anyways. And when I did it and people didn't expect me to do that and the pastor shows up with a snow shovel on us on a snowy day yeah. to scrape the widow's driveway, that blessed her in a way that wouldn't have if she expected me to be the first guy with a shovel showing up at her driveway. Right. Yeah, it, it, so it, it doesn't mean really we don't do the, those right, things. Right, exactly, right. I want we, to make it very clear, right. We, we and we've but we talked, I mean, we've done crazy things that either people have asked us or they haven't asked us that's part of we have a choice in that but another clear reason to clarify is that it, it it's a way for us to bless people when we do things when we're able to think creatively of i want to serve this person in a way they're not expecting me and that can bless somebody
1: in that way so another yeah, that's reason that's a to very clarify- good point that's right and i think we want to be careful not to dismiss some of that i think that can be very very helpful and profitable anything that builds bridges with our our folk anything that that ties, further tethers of love and affection, and that they do see that you're a servant. I mean, yeah. uh, I think part of it's a, it's a fascinating thing, real quick, Brian, that the, the apostles learned so well to wash feet right? that in Acts chapter 6, they eventually needed to create the diaconate. Mm-hmm. Those guys learned the lesson of foot washing so well that it was affecting their ability to actually do the the chief work they were called to. They were so busy serving people practically. Uh, And again, these were proud men who wouldn't have done that earlier, but they'd been so transformed by, by the Lord and by the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a part of us that wants to be there, wants to do all of that. And we have to sometimes know what our chief calling is. And sometimes we do need to get into the study, and sometimes we do need to be able to be available for counsel and we're not able to do that, but I think the fact that we have a a, a, a deacon's heart, even if we don't have a deacon's responsibility, as a table waiter or a servant's heart, uh, is something important. I don't want to be misunderstood in anything that I've said. Sure. But, no. I, th- but I don't also don't want to have again this the sense of of guilt put on, like oh, I'm not doing everything that everybody wants me to do. Well, you you need to know what you're called to do. And you need to be able, whether it's in private, to somebody say, well, you know, dear lady, dear dear sister, this is really not my responsibility, and because this is, and it's not that I, I'm not I'm not shirking duty, it's just that I'm doing what I'm called to do, yeah. and you need to be able to better understand that. And, and then sometimes we might need to share it just as we work our way through the Word of God and yeah. make specific application. Yeah, one more thing I want
0: to add, and that's in clarifying the work of a pastor, you clarify the work of the other leaders in the church around it. Mm-hmm. so what what I find a lot going into a a dying church and trying to help help that situation or a pastor does is a lot of times what it's the leadership's an absolute mess. Nobody knows what they're doing, who's doing what, who's in charge, all those things. So again, clarifying the work of a pastor to a congregation helps kind of set the standard for this is a pastor, and everybody else, whether it's a deacon or a committee head or, a trustee, or whatever it is, all understand their roles in light of what this primary role of a pastor is. And so there's just tons of benefits. We could go on and on, but I'm going to ask Jim if he'll just close in prayer and pray for each of you who are listening that God will give you wisdom to know how to pursue this.
1: Our Father in heaven, thank you for the clarity of your word. We thank you, Father, that it does inform us as pastors and and in that, as, as that word is is given to all of God's people, it informs them as well what you have called us to do and to be. And Father, help us to wisely and, and lovingly and clearly uh, live out what you've called us to be and, and, and to inform the dear people who love you and who want to obey you, want to do what's right according to your word. Help us, Father, not to take advantage of these things and the... Uh, in the esteem that the Lord's people may have for us. Help us, Lord, to love and to serve them well according to your revealed will. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.